As consumers, we are bombarded by it at every turn, like the Incredible Hulk being bombarded by gamma rays. But what makes some media endure, while others are banished to the forgotten black hole of obscurity, never to be heard from again? Who or what decides this? Hetero life mate Steve and Yehel want to know, and they want to know now. This is Obscurity Now. now, now, now. And what's up, Obscurians? It's time for another episode of Obscurity Now, the show where we take a look at weird and almost forgotten pieces of media, and then we decide if they should be tossed in the black void of obscurity or remembered for all of human history. My name is Steve, and uh, with me is a man who was recently uh, bitten on the neck, so he's going insane. It's... It is Yahel. How are you doing, Steve? I'm uh, doing great, uh, aside from... I'm doing great. <laughs> well... I, you're probably doing better than I am. I uh, woke up with a cold, I think, like Saturday, and uh, now I'm attempting to fight it and mask it by talking about it for everyone to hear. Uh, well, hopefully it's just a cold and not the beginning of the end. <laughs> well, I mean, my the, my doc said my T-cell count was as high as ever, so I think I'm okay. Uh, okay. Is that good? <laughs> I Well, I mean, if your T-cell count is low, then that means it can't fight against things like... Right, but isn't it also like a bad sign if it's too high? Because that means like you've got like a major uh, thing going on. <laughs> it's me. I don't know. Hold on. Let me go to. Is that what your dog, your doctor diagnosed you with? Uh, I'm writing you a prescription because you've got a major thing going on. That's the diagnosis. A <laughs> major thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, vampires kiss, huh? How about it? Yeah, yeah. I've. Uh... You know, I, I can relate to Peter Lowe, especially uh, in my early 20s, uh, you know, to mid 20s to 30s. To, you know, I can just relate to Peter uh, going out, uh, getting bit on the neck and feeling a little crazy. I was about to I was about day. to say, if you spend enough time at the castle, uh, which you do, which in case this is your first time listening, the castle is a goth club in Tampa, Florida. Very notorious. Used to have a guy named the senator who would walk around and assless chaps um no no he walked around in a teddy i swear i saw him in assless chaps once um it was both i assure you you saw more of him than assless chaps <laughs> normally wore a teddy sometimes he changed it up with different lingerie but it was usually a teddy and an, and an erection for the oh accessory. god well if anyone would know i guess it would be you uh but um anyway if you spend as much time there as uh, as you do, then you're bound to, uh, you know, take a... Uh, oh, you're bound to get yeah, bit. You're bound to get bit. That should be their, like, catchphrase. T-shirts. Come on. Come on, Castle. Get with the uh, the marketing <laughs> wave here. Uh, you got to jump on this vampire's kiss trend <laughs> before it uh, goes the way of... Um, uh, what was that stupid... Uh, va- the sparkly... The dodo. I was going to say the sparkly vampires. Uh, oh, um... The yes, yeah, yeah. That sort of came and went, huh? But, um, yeah, so had you ever seen the movie uh, prior to us uh, talking about it? Yeah, this is uh, my second time watching mm-hmm. it. Uh, I watched it for the first time, I, I want to say, it, it wasn't that long ago, maybe like within the last three to five years. 
Uh, what about you? Uh, yeah, this was my second time watching it. I watched it, I don't know, yeah, probably like five years ago. And uh, before we jump into spoiler territory, you can go watch Vampire's Kiss for free right now on uh, Tubi. Um, uh, is that where you watched it? Yep, I watched it on Tubi. It's also on Pluto TV on demand for free. And uh, I think on Freebie. Yeah. It was also well, uh... So you got plenty of legal <laughs> options. <laughs> right, right. To watch it. Or There's go. No need to do anything untoward. No, no. Or, you know, go to your local video store and uh, rent it physically. Um, so, uh, yeah, before we jump into the movie, I just wanted to get uh, maybe your history with possibly the greatest actor of our time. Uh, Nick Cage. Do you remember, like, maybe the first Nick Cage movie you watched? I don't remember, like, the first Nicolas Cage movie I watched. I was just always kind of aware of it. He's like time. You know, you're just always aware <laughs> of its existence. He always is. There's no end or beginning to Nick Cage. He just is the alpha and right, omega, right. as the Christians say. <laughs> but, um,. I do remember like the first Nicolas Cage movie where I remember him being like kind of kind of wacky mm-hmm. in that I watched and like his performance was memorable because of its wackiness for me was Face Off. Oh, same here. But, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So, well, I guess I won't ask you my question now about what was your first memorable Nicolas Cage? Uh, yeah, I remember watching Face Off uh, in the theater, and but I don't think it was the first time I'd ever seen him in anything. But that was. Much like yourself. Yeah, it wasn't the first time. Yeah, because I-, I know my dad and I, we went and watched um, uh, Con Air. I can't remember which one came first. I'm pretty sure Con Air came out before Face Off. And uh, I know yeah. I rented uh, The Rock. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until Face Off where I was just like, oh, I, you know, I like this guy. He's uh, crazy. And then uh, later I caught like... Um, Raising Arizona, like when I was really getting into the Coen brothers and stuff like this, uh, the eighties era of cage, like had you, um, when did you start like delving into that? I mean, I not, I, I don't think I ever really did. Like I tried watching Raising Arizona, couldn't get into it. <laughs> hey, you uh, just hate all auteur filmmakers. You don't like Quentin Tarantino. Well, let me guess. You hate the Coen Brothers too. Is that right? I bet you hate Alfred Hitchcock as uh, well. The Coen Brothers are fine. I, I I like Coen Brothers. I like Hitchcock. I do think Quentin Tarantino is terrible. Oh God! I was actually talking about him just last night to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, Some piece of and, shit. Yeah, just talking about how like there's nothing redeeming oh, about any of his movies. I can't mention like a single good one i've ever seen oh like God. it's it all of his movies are oh wait wait i'm sorry it wasn't quentin tarantino it was rob Zombie. oh <laughs> oh i could agree with you there uh i mean rob's i i put i know rob zombie is mm, awful he really is i put him above quentin tarantino you mean in the shit pile He's better. What? Oh, fuck you. Oh, this is the last episode ever, everybody. Goodbye. Security now. <laughs> anyway, signing off. Uh, like you, though, I uh, also remember watching Con Air in theaters. I mm. watched it. And I, I think you're right. I think it came out before Face Off. And I liked him in Con Air. Uh, he, he did do like a few like weird things. Like I remember him smiling really strangely when he gets off the plane. Because mm. it's like, oh, <laughs> As if though he hasn't been in sunlight this whole time. Right, and then the wind hits his like flowing mane yeah, of receding hair. hairline hair, and it just whoosh. yeah. It's he's got more hair now than he does in this 
uh, Vampire's Kiss movie. It's kind yeah, of funny. I mean, it's clear, you know, he's had work done, but uh, that's okay. I mean, as we said, uh, hey, the Cage him. is uh, everlasting and should be, should be. I don't want to live in a world yeah. without uh, Nick Cage. Uh, but I do think it's funny that, like, he definitely got some kind of, like, hair transplants or treatment. And it looks good, mm-hmm. but I guess because he was already receding when he got it done, he didn't want his hairline pushed forward. He just wanted the hair he had thickened up. So it's like, hey, man, well, <laughs> just cover up your, like, receding <laughs> hairline while you're at it. Right, right. So uh, I, I like how uh, George Costanza will just sometimes wear wig. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a classic episode. Um but uh, what do you think that like makes Nick Cage like endure? What makes him like stand out, uh, and people still talking about him even to this day? You know, I, I think he just like commits so fully. I, I don't even want to say to the characters, although that's often what it is, but like to his choices, he commits very fully to his choices, and even if the movie is you know, poorly written or whatever, like he's often fun to watch. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100% there. Yeah. He, <laughs> all right. First off, he makes interesting choices and then yeah, I he agree. commits like 140% to, even if what he's choosing is like outlandish and, uh, doesn't even maybe even make the most sense, like he makes you believe <laughs> and uh, you yeah. have no choice but to go along with it just because he believes it uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, I don't know. I'd be interested to hear like my sort of, I don't know, Nick Cage fandom is uh, like, I remember, you know, he was a big deal in the nineties and I thought he was like a uh, pretty cool, I guess. I'm like, maybe not my, you know, top five or anything, but I'm just like, Oh yeah. I like that cage guy i haven't hadn't really seen like more of his um you know indie work uh but then he started being in all those like terrible movies like the remake of the wicker man and um like uh, i think there were a few others around it was like prior to his like tax evasion (laughs) kind of thing and uh i mean and i don't know about you but that's when i sort of like you know i would see him and kind of roll my eyes and like kind of groan but then he won me back. I mean, we're going to talk about our top five cage films in a minute. Like when he started being in like a uh, kick ass and the bad Lieutenant. Um, and he, again, he was, uh, I mean, there were roles that were perfect for him that of course he elevated with his crazy choices. And I'm just like, yeah, this is the guy <laughs> he's back. Nick cage is back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, kudos to cage for, um, he, rather than filing for bankruptcy like a lot of people do, he really wanted to uh, pay off his mm-hmm. debts. And he's been very frank in interviews how he was just, you know, basically taking every film he could to make as much money as possible to uh, pay back his, his debts. So, uh, you know, uh, good good for him. S- speaks to his character. Yes, and I think that uh, we, um, you know, guys who are into like weird and obscure stuff uh, really came out on top during that period of Cage's career because he was in some weird and awesome stuff. And like now he's sort of like back in the Hollywood mainstream. And uh, I don't know if we're going to get uh, that level of weirdness again, but uh, only time will tell. Uh, did you happen to catch? Well, I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. his new movie, uh, Renfield, it does look like, you know, from I haven't gotten to see it yet, but you know, from the clips I've seen, he it definitely looks like he gets to play up some of the weirdness. Mm-hmm. And an interesting bit is so Renfield is, I'm assuming, based on uh, this character. That's, I can't remember if it's like the original Dracula or maybe it's a Nosferatu, but named 
Renfeld, I think. Yeah, it's like from uh, it's from Dracula. It's like his uh, minion, basically. Right. So uh, I was reading up. I actually did a little bit of research on Vampire's Kiss, and uh, yeah, Nicolas Cage mentioned that he kind of saw Peter Lowe the same way. Like, what if that character, that person, existed in the real world mm-hmm. and really thought he was becoming a vampire right. and was crazy because of it? So, like. This is basically like that character in Vampire's Kiss. And, and Nicholas is Cage. Model. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and all the interesting uh, choices uh, he made along it, uh, along the way. Um, so, but yeah, I don't, I don't know about Rinfield. I mean, of course, uh, you know, Cage will be awesome in it, as he always is. The rest of the movie, I don't know. I'm a little uh, skeptical on, but of course I can't uh, make a decision now. I, I well, whatever. You're a Mario movie fan, so Steve. I like your good. opinion is so high and mighty. Well, have you seen the Mario movie? It's pretty good. Uh, you just remember you got this haircut. Wow, you sound just and, like uh, me. Oh my god, I should, I should just, you know what? You should just do the podcast by yourself from here on out. I may, maybe I should. <laughs> so, uh, shall we jump into the Obscuratron and continue our? You know, wait before that. Why don't we go ahead and get our top five Nicolas Cage films uh, out of the way? Oh, so yeah, uh, yeah. let me let me say it succinctly so it uh, so it edits easier in TikTok. Yahel, what are your top five Nicolas Cage films? Well, uh, I know we talked a little bit about Face Off. I'm sure that'll be on both of our lists. Uh, probably top one or two. Uh, Vampire's Kiss was one of mine. Uh, Ghost Rider Two uh, is great fun. Yeah. Uh, left Behind, mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage. You Nicholas watched Cage it? Is left you behind. watched it already? <laughs> yeah. I love Oh, I want, behind. I mean, that is going to be our next Nick Cage film at some point. Dude, from the Kurt, we should compare the Kurt Cameron to the Nick Cage. Ooh, that, that sounds like an interesting podcast. Yeah, we definitely should. And uh, Con Air was also on my list. So Face Off, Ghost Rider 2. Left Behind, Con Air, Vampire's Kiss. So yeah, I take it you haven't seen like too much of like the post-tax evasion, like sort of indie Nick Cage stuff? No, I know he's got like a few like critically acclaimed roles. He's got one with that uh, Pedro Pasquale fella. Mm-hmm. Well, that was like after he crawled his way back to the mainstream. I mean, and that, that movie's pretty funny. Uh, I mean, it's – I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to find like comedies that actually – make me laugh but uh yeah that one actually yeah. made me chuckle uh, quite a bit um but uh yeah here's uh my top five nick cage films it's uh pretty much the opposite of yours uh did you ever see uh adaptation back in the day uh it was no i don't think uh, i did yeah, where he plays basically the writer of that movie uh it's i man if you have leaving las vegas on your list no i don't have leaving las vegas Although he did win an Academy Award for that, but that's only because everyone in Hollywood is uh, a junkie. So when they see them play themselves on a film, they're like, oh, give that guy the Academy Award. But anyway, so yeah, adaptation. And this is no particular order. Uh, Adaptation. And then even though he is pretty much a supporting actor in it, uh, the original Kick-Ass, you did see that, right? Yeah, yeah. He was the best thing about it, I would say. Uh, And then uh, Mandy, you 100% have to see Mandy. Uh, It is uh, insane. Uh, And then uh, The Bad Lieutenant. And, of course, I couldn't leave out David Lynch's Wild at Heart. Um, And, I mean, I like those movies you mentioned as well, but I knew you were going to mention them, so I mentioned these. (laughs) Oh, okay. So checkmate, motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, I I did have a hard time. 
I did have a hard time narrowing it down. Like, I did want to throw in, like, the Wicker Man because he's got some, like, you know, fun choices in that. Uh, I remember even knowing he was kind of, like, fun. Yeah, I, I watched uh, that piece of trash. Yeah, it was. A, he was yeah. the best thing about uh, it. The National Treasure movie. Oh, yeah, I, li- like, I like those a lot. And um, the, the Weatherman with Michael Caine. It's like, uh, have you ever seen that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a good one, too. But uh, all right. Yeah. Well, let's jump a little bit deeper into a Vampire's Kiss. Welcome to your feature presentation. Oh, man. But I, I definitely have to say, though, a um, horror movie. I mean, can you even call it a horror movie? Like Vampire's Kiss really scared me or really makes me scared, you know, going into a movie like this. And I just need something to make me feel a little bit uh, braver. Like, do you uh, do you have anything that could uh, help me out with that? Uh, you know, Steve, I, I may have just uh, the thing, uh, you know, there, there there's a peril oh? that you can wear. You don't say. Um that will uh, help you feel more like uh, a man yeah. or lady of no fear. Raises your uh, testosterone, does it? Uh, so wait, yes, you're saying yes. we should talk about the no fear shirt of the week? Yes, we should. All right, are you uh, you ready to jump into the fearlessness? I... <clears throat> I'm ready to get into no fear All right, zone. here we go. Without further ado, it's the no fear shirt of the week. Balls, a.k.a. <laughs> cojones you should have several preferably brass or steel extra large no fear (laughs) oh wow that is like this honestly like a lot of the other no fear shirts i've found are like bad and i don't mean like so bad they're good like a lot of these have been like they're just like Oh, uh, if you didn't win, it's because you didn't do the best. <laughs> right. No fear. You weren't the best, yeah, because you weren't wearing a no fear shirt. No fear. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, so, I mean, they do get they, they do start to get sadder <laughs> as the product line goes on. Like, there's one that's literally just like, oh, the older I get, the less great I used to be. <laughs> that is sad. Oh, man. Um, yeah, actually, here's what it says. The older I get, the better I was. No fear. Uh, okay. All right. No fear. Whatever it, you say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it, I don't think so time works they, like that they, unless you're one Nick Cage who has no need for new fear, no fear apparel. Well, no, he's no, the shirt is saying like, as you know, he gets older, like he's not as good as he used mm-hmm. to be. So the yeah. shirt's saying, which is just like, if like, that's not what no fear is to me, no fear should be like, you know, the older I get. Uh, the the more I the heavier my load yeah are, or like know, or, or like the old you should call me Merlot because I age like wine no fear yeah something yeah. like that you know? <laughs> see we we uh, should bring it back we're let's just buy the license <laughs> I did I did find a Christian off brand mm-hmm. uh, of no fear called Fear Not <laughs> wow <laughs> wow a lot of creativity went into that one. Yeah, yeah, and it uses like similar font to the No Fear logo, 
but you know it's like uh fear not for i walk i fear not for i walk in the valley of shadow of that like that's what it's based i remember those whatever. uh yeah i rem- i got out yeah i went to high school in a very small town and so yeah i'm pretty sure i saw but the shirts are lame because it, it's just like it'll just be like a bible verse and then it'll be like fear not uh proverbs 3 14 or <laughs> right and who who needs those shirts when you have one bible man who can just go around and spout yeah exactly versus like scripture exactly. like it's nothing um yeah, exactly. all right well that is the no fear shirt of the oh i do have one follow-up question so there's a no fear uh energy drink is that in any relation to the t-shirts do you know do you know? Yes. So I do know. I <laughs> did research about this weeks ago just so I'd have fun little tidbits to share. But yeah, like the No Fear, No Fear has like been bought out, if I remember correctly, by like a British company. Ooh. And they're the ones that make the uh, the drink, the energy drink. And that's kind of like it's what it's known for now more than uh, the shirts these right. days. But yeah, it's... Um, I mean, it, it's it's connected in the sense that like some people bought No Fear, mm-hmm. and then they kept making shirts, but then they were like, "Oh, let's slap this name on this, you know, crappy energy drink." Right. Um, and then eventually the shirts were not a style. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, sorry, I'm just laughing because I happen to like come across like some good No Fear shirts. Uh, <laughs> nice. And Save yeah, them for so next week. Good. We have a few more weeks of material. <laughs> <laughs> I think this particular No Fear shirt uh, is also for the. Um, Big Johnson aficionado. Like, you just imagine mm, if yes. you're the, the kid in high school and, like, every shirt that you wear has, like, something to do with, like, male genitalia. Really make your friends think. <laughs> really make your friends think. Yeah, yeah. Well, no fear, no Steve. Fear. No all fear. right, all right. Speaking of a guy who has no fear, one uh, Nick Cage. Uh, we'll, uh, we're going to continue talking about Vampire's Kiss here. And uh, Vampire's Kiss premiered at the Cannes Film Festival uh, in May of 1988. And here's a synopsis of the film. After an encounter with a neckbiter, a publishing executive thinks that he's turning into a vampire. And uh, this was directed by Robert Berman. And uh, really, aside from this, he hasn't done a lot of features. He did something called A Merry War, and then lots of uh, TV, including a show called Waking the Dead, and something else called The Apology. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming those are, I don't know, maybe shows that are done in other countries, because I never heard of them. Have you heard of any of them? No, I can't say that I uh, ever okay. have. Okay, and the writer here uh, has a bit more cred, if you will. One, Joseph Minion. Uh, he's... I mean, who's the perfect guy to write a vampire movie about Renfield? It's Joseph Minion, of course. Uh, Absolutely. And he wrote uh, the Robert. uh, Wait, no, it's not Robert Zemeckis. It's uh, the uh, after the movie After Hours. Have you ever seen that? No, I've never even Uh, heard of it. It's pretty good. I just have to remember the famous director. Is it is it as good or better than Mario? Uh, I would uh, depends on what you're looking for. Wow, you're just not going to let me live that down, are you? I, I'm sorry. I like the family yeah. film. I'm sorry. I'm I'm surprised. I'm surprised anytime you like anything new, but I'm especially surprised. Uh, it was that you surprisingly. Liked it was good. Not as good as Sonic. Uh, Sonic is still funnier. But anyway, so. Joseph Minion did uh, After Hours. He did an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, He did an episode of Amazing Stories. And 
I actually watched this other uh, feature that he did called uh, Motorama. Um, have you ever heard of that by any chance? No. I uh, not. Yeah, I watched it last night at work. It is about a ten-year-old uh, driving like a Mustang in this like I don't know surreal version of uh, of America, <laughs> and it was pretty good. We might have to cover that one. Um, okay. So, uh, who are some of the people who are in Vampire's Kiss? Well, we, of course, have Nicolas Cage playing Peter Lowe. We've already kind of discussed him and his filmography. Um, so I don't think we need to go into no. him. We have Maria Conchita Alonso mm. playing Alva Restrepo. Um, you know what's weird is I've always heard her mm. name before, uh, but I never really like knew what she was in. But, yeah, she was in The Running Man and Predator 2 and a few other yeah, things. Yeah, she was like the um, go-to, I don't know, hispanic lady of the 80s for a while there <laughs> yeah and i guess she's supposed to be like hot i, I, I think she's pretty attractive well Cause... you also like the Marvel movies so wow. what are we doing here Jesus anyway Christ. she's still got stuff going on coffee wars that's a movie that she's in that came out this mm -hmm. year uh we've got jennifer beals uh probably best known from flash dance mm -hmm. uh also someone i have never found attractive or a good actress yeah although i think she's like decent in yeah. this but i don't her, get uh, with her hair like that it, she reminds me of um uh, jesse spano from say by the bell oh yeah yeah, yeah she, she had a little bit of a jesse spano look to her but uh yeah so flash dance is what she's most well known for but uh i guess she's also in the book of boba fett oh yeah a few that's episodes right. yeah. so maybe people know her from that uh and most recently in the l word Generation Q, which I assume is about the Q continuum uh, <laughs> from Star Trek. Of course, of course. Uh, then we've got uh, Jackie, played by Casey Lemons, um, who's his other kind of love interest. Um, she's been in a bunch of stuff too, but like nothing that like I really recognize before. She's done some directing, hmm. interestingly. Well, good for her. So, uh, she's got eleven. Uh, things between movies and TV shows under her directing uh, belt, her knapsack of directing, if you will. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, there's a bunch of people in this movie that's kind of like the ones that stuck out to me. I, I guess Elizabeth Ashley, the doctor, uh, Glazer. Mm. Uh, I did recognize her. Um, most recently, she was in Russian Doll, that Netflix oh, show. Yeah. She was in... 13 episodes of that. She's been a bunch of stuff, but nothing I really like recognize her from. Mm. But uh, is there anybody else that you feel is worth? No, I really think mentioning? you pretty much uh, covered all the main cast um, for sure. I mean, there's not like, aside from all the extras, I mean, you pretty much covered all the, the main characters. So um, uh, before we, uh, you know, jump. I mean, David Hyde Pierce is in this like very briefly. What? Where? He's the theater guy. Of course he is. <laughs> of course he is. Uh, have you ever seen the George Romero movie uh, Martin? Sorry, I was taking a beverage. Uh, no, I have not. And by theater guy, I think they mean the uh, mimes. Right. Oh yeah, that, that's a. It just comes out of his apartment building, and there's mimes there for no reason. Um, but hey. yeah, doing the same routine where they like slap each other and pretend to like spit on each other or right, something right yeah i got you but uh but have you seen martin no uh it is almost the exact same premise or plot of this movie except for 
instead of a uh, you know a business executive who thinks he's turning into a vampire, it's basically sort of like a troubled I don't know 21, 22 year old, and uh, yeah, it's done sort of in the same way. It's like uh, is he a vampire or is he insane? And uh, you should check it out. It's one of uh, Romero's uh, better mm. movies. But uh, interesting, though I do feel like it's pretty clear in this movie that he's not turning into a vampire that uh he just thinks yeah, it is he's just insane um, yeah. yeah yeah um another uh but what, what did you think about the uh the accent oh I'm, that Nick Cage i totally movie? forgot about that when the movie first started out me too um, me too and uh yeah it's uh i mean it's funny but uh, i was reading uh i was doing in the research it said that you know, obviously that was a choice by Cage, like, and he thought that right. Peter Lowe, you know, would try to make himself sound smart and sophisticated by coming up with like a, a stupid accent like that. Um, and uh, I don't know, I, I think it works. And, you know, it, and it also said that it comes and goes depending on who he's interacting with, uh, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, uh, what I read was that Nicolas Cage's whole idea was, well, whenever he's in a situation with someone that he feels he needs to impress more, the accent is more pronounced. That's why, like, when he's with his therapist, it's, like, very, very noticeable. Mm -hmm. When he's with somebody he doesn't feel he needs to impress as much, sometimes he doesn't do it at all. Right, right, (laughs) right. See that? And and obviously, when he gets angry, you know, he loses the accent completely (laughs) anytime he's, like, angry, which is great. Angry at uh, poor Alva. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was the first thing that sort of, um, I don't know, stood out to me when, uh, when the movie, uh, fired up, uh, another movie, um, uh, that this movie reminds me of is, um, American Psycho. Uh, and, uh, yep. yeah, I was reading that, uh, Christian Bale, he used, uh, Nick Cage's performance in this film for, uh, the inspiration for, uh, Patrick Bateman. Um, and, uh, just a side story real quick. The original writer, the guy who wrote the book, American Psycho, lives in the building where I work. And I actually met him for the first time a few days ago. Oh, yep. really? Uh, Brett Easton Ellis. Uh, not, a, not a very huh. big tipper for Christmas, but uh, other than that, a swell guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought he lived like in your building where you live at. Uh, he lives in the building you work yeah, in. Yeah, the one where I work in. Uh, no. <laughs> Oh. Uh, if he lived here, I I would be like, "What did you do with all your money there, Brett? Like, did it did it go up your <laughs> nose just like one Patrick Bateman?" Um, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, first all right, you got the accent. I mean, and then once you get used to that, you sort of uh, settle in with one um, Peter Lowe, and he's uh, I mean, right at the beginning of the movie, he's already talking to his um, you know psychiatrist or therapist, so. I mean, they're already sowing the seeds of, you know, this guy is, uh, you know, probably a little off of his rocker. Um, right, right. And then he eventually goes to uh, an 80s bar, which I mean, it wouldn't be an 80s bar then. It would just be a regular bar. But um, I mean, what do you think? Like, is this is pretty much, I don't know, uh, sort of almost in the vein of American Psycho, where you think they're just sort of like dissecting the... Um, a kind of a, the narcissistic businessman of like 80s uh, America, yeah. more or less. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, mm. for sure. I did think it was pretty funny that I think it might be the second bar he goes to, but there's just like candles everywhere all over the mm. bar. Like, it's got to be like 50 candles. <laughs> I'm like, this is a fucking fire hazard. <laughs> yeah. 
But um, yeah, yeah, I think I think you're dead on. I mean, I, I think it's definitely supposed to be like a deconstruction of the American business narcissist from the '80s. Uh, you know, like we never see him doing coke, but I think <laughs> he plays it like a guy that's coked up a lot of the time. You that's know, that's like I would say that's one of Cage's uh, go-to's. Like, <laughs> I can I see him when they were uh, casting him in the Crudes. I'm sure he was like, "Okay, I, I think the dad probably has a coke habit. What do you think?" And they're just like, eh, "Whatever, Cage. Whatever you want to do, man. Just to go with it." <laughs> um, but uh, I was also reading that. Um, Apparently, there was uh, a lot of um, stuff that got cut out. And according to one Nicolas Cage himself, that uh, that is uh, he considers that some of the best stuff. And he and the director, uh, Robert Berman, are really hoping that one day those scenes will get restored. I mean, (laughs) I mean, what could be better than him like jumping up and on a table and very cartoonishly pointing and goes, there you are. (laughs) Like. (laughs) And then and then shouting the uh, the alphabet. Oh, yeah. Gosh, like yeah. So there's a scene where he's like with his therapist for those who haven't seen the movie, uh, and yeah, he just starts like shouting the alphabet. But he has like a he's like I think he jumps up on her table mm-hmm. like a table to mm-hmm. do it, or maybe it was the couch. But he's doing like he does like a motion for every letter. <laughs> and I don't I I have a feeling you and I read like one of the same articles about him. But he talks about Nicholas Cage talks about how like that was completely planned and he like rehearsed that like in his hotel room and he had like a specific movement he wanted to do for every letter. And yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. Like, like I, from, I, I, from the interview that I read with Nicholas Cage, where he was talking about it. He says that this is his favorite. Yeah. Role yeah. He's ever I saw done. that. Uh, I mean, and I could, I could see why, like, I think Robert Bierman just sat back and was like, you can do whatever you want and I'm going to film it. And, uh, and it didn't yeah. matter what ridiculous thing Cage went up with or came up with. Uh, Robert was all about it, including uh, eating a live roach. That was Nicholas Cage's Twice. idea. Uh, yeah. He, um, and, uh, uh, Do you remember what his reasoning was for eating a live roach? Because Renfield did it. In the book and in the other Dracula films, uh, Renfield eats a roach. Um, I mean, that's what I... So that's part mm-hmm. of it. Uh, but Nicolas Cage also said that like roaches are his biggest fear. And so like he thought like, you know, if this guy is like going unhinged, like he should be, you know, I, I, I you know, he needs to be reaching this level of fearlessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like Nicolas Cage, that's why he wanted to do it. And from what I read, basically they were like, well, Nicolas, they made up like a fake roach. First. Right. And Nicolas Cage was like, <laughs> no, like I got to do a real roach. <laughs> And they were like, well, what if you get sick? Like, what if this happens? And, like, they had to, like, reach out to a doctor. Mm-hmm. The doctor's advice was like, well, uh, he'll be fine. But I suggest that you uh, have him, like, drink a shot of whiskey immediately after <laughs> to, like, I guess. Kill any kind know, of, of uh, germs yeah, or bacteria. whatever. But, yeah, basically the first take, Nicolas Cage does it. And the director tells him, hey, I'm sorry, but that roach didn't even, like, move. Uh <laughs> So he did it a second. Nicholas Cage said, I'll do it again. And they're like, no, no, no. That's not why we're bringing it up. And he's like, no, I need it to be moving. Wow. So, See, that is that is commitment. Like, you don't you won't get that from one Vin Diesel, at least from what I hear. But you will get it 
Unless it's Riddick. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right, right. But you will get it from one Nicolas Cage. And uh, I think it's funny that they even uh, consulted a doctor because, f- from what I understand, this was a non-union shoot. And they actually had, like, uh, union members who were, like, protesting nearby, like, trying to, uh, I don't know, disrupt the shoot. And, and they just had to uh, go about their merry way. Um, but another sort of weird request from uh, the the maestro, uh, Nicolas Cage, was, um, and this is actually uh, taken from the casting director, so I don't know. Maybe it's made up. It, you can be the judge, uh, dear viewer. Uh, and that is, the, the casting director said, in order to get turned on in a scene with uh, Jennifer Beals, Cage asked to have hot yogurt poured over his toes while he was doing the love scene. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to get aroused. Yeah, hot. And why yogurt? does why does he have to get be aroused? Yeah, he, he just wants it to be real, you know, real for the viewer, real for him, real for Jennifer Beals. And, well, the weird thing is in those scenes with Jennifer Beal, like she's topless, but she has very visible like bandages over her mm. nipples because clearly she didn't want to be like completely topless. Right. And you, so even though she's like laying on Nicholas's chest. You can still see, like, from her side, like these bandages, like sticking out. It's mm. so weird. Yeah. Like, they would have been better off just keeping her bra on. Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess they just had to go with a uh, a compromise there. Yeah, I tried to find. I, I I searched high and low for Jennifer Beale talking about this, and uh, she was asked about it on a Reddit AMA, and she summarily ignored. Oh, the but this is probably the most interesting movie she was ever in. I would say. I mean, I can't think of anything that i would want to go back and watch that had her oh although she was in uh, the prophecy with um chris walken so that that's a good one in fact we should probably put that one on the uh on the list at some point but um yeah that, that is a good one but uh yeah i mean that <sighs> hot yogurt that's so specific uh you ever request any hot yogurt <laughs> you're bringing someone home from the castle and you're like look you want this to be good you're gonna need to warm up some yogurt baby <laughs> you want me to get going? You got to put some yogurt between these toes, baby. Uh, uh, but uh, to jump into the plot, sort of what kickstarts kind of um, Peter Lowe, a.k.a. Nick Cage's kind of insanity is um, so he brings home uh, a woman from the 80s bar um, and, uh, you know, they're about to, you know, do the deed, if you will, uh, sans yogurt. <laughs> it sounds like a Garth Marenghi. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I guess he didn't need it for the first love interest. Right. Well, because she went full topless, so you know he could get aroused. Oh, if you that don't, if you don't show off the goods, old Nick Cage, he can't he can't get it going. <laughs> he's he's got to have the yogurt at that yeah. point. Uh, so yeah, they're about. She's like, you know, they're. Uh, they're about to make out and stuff, and then out of nowhere, a bat flies into his apartment. So that must have actually happened because the girl was reacting to the bat. But it's like the fakest bat you could uh, possibly come up with. Like, I mean, it looked like a yep, puppet. And Nicolas yeah. Cage wanted a real bat, but um, the and they even looked into it. But uh, much like the thing with the roach, they were basically afraid of. You know, if the bat like bit Nicolas Cage right. or something like that, that he could get sick. And this is already like a very low budget movie. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't going to have money for like reshooting later, et cetera. So uh, they were like, sorry, Nick, take that. <laughs> I know, like, how are you going to film a wild bat anyway? Like, I mean, 
I mean, you could. I mean, you just let it loose in the apartment. Yeah, but, you could um, do a wide shot for the most part, and then yeah, I mean, it's possible. I mean, I would say it's probably easier for them to do a <laughs> a terrible puppet, which is what they went with. Um, so yeah. uh, I, I guess they wouldn't have been able to like safely have Nicolas Cage and a real bat in the same shot. Right. Exactly. You know? And if you can't have them in the same shot and have Nicolas Cage really reacting to it, then what's the point anyway? <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, the bat, I don't know. Um, the girl, she runs out of the apartment, um, and she's, like, crouched uh, against the door, like, naked, and some random kid. I don't know what he's doing up at, what you could assume is, like, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and sees, like, a, a naked right. woman crouched out of uh, Nicolas Cage's apartment, but she's, like, shh, you know, doing that whole gimmick. And uh, anyway, yeah. and his mom comes and pulls him back into the apartment. <laughs> yeah, like I, I bet that boy, he he would show up every night at two a.m. to see if there would be more naked girls showing up. Uh, but uh, that's uh, not a real boy either. Actually, it's uh, made by some people that made the fuck back. <laughs> that sounds like uh, misinformation, but uh, you know, whatever, go with it. Um, they were afraid of Nicolas Cage being bitten by a real child. <laughs> That's just your own fear about children speaking. (laughs) But uh, so the next day, um, Peter goes back to his uh, therapist and basically he tells um, his doc, he's like, uh, I saw the bat and I was uh, aroused. And she was like, well, you were just with a woman. He's like, no, no, there's uh, something else going on. Like, uh, do you remember the exact words? But basically he was a... I, I can't remember, but yeah, that's a gist Yeah, he was it. aroused because the bat was there. And um, I, I know they show uh, clips of, uh, you mentioned Nosferatu earlier. Like, um, they, like what? Uh, He's like watching it at some right, point. Right, right. And so as the viewer here, I mean, obviously we've both watched the movie a couple of times. Like, can we just uh, assume that like Nicolas Cage or Peter Lowe, always had kind of like a sort of a vampire fetish or an infatuation or did he just the bat came in and he was just like oh well i i must be a van i'm so insane i must be a vampire like what do you what do you think i don't know uh that's a good question i mean i think the idea is that he always had like this vampire like fetish or maybe it's just something that happened to be on when he started losing his Mm. mind so that's where his mind went, you know, like if it had been, I don't know, Teletubbies or whatever he was thought he was trying to Teletubbies. What a random choice. Uh, very Cage-esque. I love it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, base, um, there was a really good line in the, um, in the scene with his therapist where he goes, I was in Mortal Kombat with a fucking bat. Give me a break. <laughs> and uh, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of good lines like that. Um, and um, and then there's a scene right after that where uh, Nick Cage he's uh, he's getting ready to go back out again, and um, there's some like really good '80s music playing while he's getting ready in the mirror. Um, and uh, let's see, and and then next uh, when he grabs his so yeah, basically he heads to another bar, and that's when he he sees Jennifer Beals, and then we can assume spoiler alert that he. Do you think he actually took her back home or he just sort of like saw her in the, in the club and then imagined like taking her back home and, you know, they're about to make out or whatever. And then she, he imagines her as a, as a vampire who bites his neck. What do you think? 
I mean, the only reason why I would say he never actually takes her home is because later on, so after he's, you know, supposedly bitten by mm-hmm. her, he starts wearing a uh, Band-Aid mm-hmm. on his neck where he's been bitten. And at one point, he's, like, in the mirror, and he starts to take off the Band-Aid, but, like, the phone goes off or something like that as he's doing it. So he looks away from the mirror, and if you look at the mirror, you can see that he's not bit. Right. Under the band uh, But he never sees that he's yeah, not Yeah, and bit. they uh, also, so, just to sow the seeds of, uh, you know, of doubt that he's not actually turning into a vampire, I mean, they show him uh, shaving, and he cuts himself, like, on, you know, by accident uh, while shaving on the neck, and that's where, that's why he even has the, um, the Band-Aid to begin with, so... Oh, good catch. I, I didn't yeah, know. yeah. It all yeah. it all just sort of uh, feeds into his uh, delusion of turning into a vampire, and uh, and later on. But but I mean, it is a little confusing later on when he like tracks her down in that club later, and she does act like she knows him, but she's just like, but she's like a real dick mm-hmm. to him. But then later, doesn't he see her again? And she actually she doesn't know him. I thought she always didn't didn't know him. When when he meets the real her later on in the in the film, yeah, she's like, I don't even know who you are. Like every every other instance of her leading up to that, aside from the one at the beginning, were all uh, you know the fake vampire fantasy yeah. that he created in his mind. Uh, I thought after he bit the girl at the club, and then he saw Jennifer Beals. That she was like, oh, I own you, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, that uh, was the the fantasy version, I would say. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Even when she like turns to the guy she's with and she goes, does it look like I'm with the, with you? And the guy's like, sure doesn't look like you're with him to me. Hmm. Oh, that's a good point. I guess. Because right there, she's like being like a jerk to him. Like, like you know, like, because uh, earlier when we see her, when he's imagining her, we think she's imagining her. It's very like dom and she's his sub kind of a thing and she's acting like that here too and it's really her at this point i think right right hmm so but then maybe you we could assume that when he meets her at the end and she's like i have no idea you are you know she could which is like the next scene actually is it um yeah because like they're in the club then so she goes back out to like the main mm -hmm. club dance floor with that guy and then he like runs out after her and that's when she's like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, interesting points. Uh, but uh, yeah, basically this uh, kickstart, like him getting bit by Jennifer Beals, uh, whether it happened or not. Oh, and in combination with the actual bat, which in the movie is supposed to be a real bat, but is obviously a fake bat. It all uh, kickstart his uh, descent into madness. And um, he shows up at work. Uh, after being bitten, and basically he really starts um, basically uh, tearing down his uh, secretary, uh, Maria Conchita Alonzo. Uh, he's asking for this uh, file that she can't find, and he just uh, totally, I don't know, dissects her, is always uh, ragging on her, saying that, uh, he, like, the, I guess a good uh, instance or illustration of how their relationship is, is uh, he's like, if I don't have that file by tomorrow, like, you know, the whole, he's, he tells her the whole firm is going to like fall apart or something. And he's like, mm-hmm. I want you to listen as I do the song and dance that I'm going to have to do in order to buy us more time. So he calls up the owner of this file and the guy is just like, ah, oh, you know, take all the time you want. Yeah. 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 He's like, no big deal. But Nicholas Cage is acting like 
it's life or death. Right, and that I would say that's typical behavior of you know the narcissistic boss where they blow things out of proportion. Uh, you know, any just anything to get one over on their subordinates and you know make them feel like crap. Yeah, to be in control. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To make them feel like that they could be fired at any moment. Um, and uh, like at first, and I, I had this going like in my mind, but it's later dispelled later on, on in the movie. Is like I wondered if they. Uh, if there was something going on here with like race for the first two acts, because like, you know, the first girl that he picks up, uh, you know, is like a woman of color. Maria Conchita Gonzalez is, uh, you know, obviously Hispanic. And then Jennifer Beals uh, is also, I mean, I, I don't really know what she is or whatever. Uh, like, I didn't know if they were trying to say something, but later on he, um, he like bites the neck of a white lady. So that dispelled that theory. Did, was that, uh, was that sticking out to you at any point? Um, yeah, I was wondering too if it was like something because like Jennifer Beals, I think might be mixed. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Race. Yeah. Um, let me try and confirm here. But uh, yeah, so I thought maybe it was some kind of commentary too. Uh, yeah, she's half black, mm. half Irish. Um, so I thought, okay, maybe they make some commentary about like you know like successful rich white men preying on people of there color, kind of a thing, but. I, I think it's just a coincidence. Yeah, that I think you might be right as well. Uh, I think I think they just you know picked the best actresses that they could afford. Yeah, you know? Right, and they just happen to be people of yeah. color. I think it's just a there coincidence. There you go. Uh, so yeah, like he, um, a lot of the sort of berating of his uh, secretary Alva is like some of the, <laughs> the best and like craziest parts. Like he's um basically she's trying to avoid him in the office. Like he's sitting there just screaming her name, like Alva, Alva, Alva. It almost sounds like Alvin. Eh, you were thinking that. I right. know you were. Uh, yep. And he finally leaves his office and goes out into the main uh, like portion of, of the office. And she's sitting there. He jumps up on a desk and like in the most cartoony fashion possible, like points and goes, there you are. And it's, it's just like, that's pure cage right there. I don't know. What did you think about that moment? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's great. I think also this is where like that meme comes from where he's got like his eyes all bugged out. Oh, right? I, from where he's like yelling that's at her. uh that's a little bit later um, where. Oh, you're right. You're, you're right. When he's like more. Yeah, him. she's yeah. um she's trying to leave. I guess it's you could assume that it's Friday night and he calls her into the office and he's all like. Why? Why are you wearing a jacket, Alva? And she's like, "It's it's late. I need to go home." And uh, basically, he delivers a pretty awesome monologue. But <laughs> this it just shows how insane he is. He's uh, I assigned like the worst possible job to you. I can't think of a possible like worse job than you finding this file. And it's like that statement in itself is just hilarious because like you could be digging ditches, you know? <laughs> like Right. There's so many things that could be yeah, worse. Yeah, it's like but, finding a uh he genuinely believes this is the worst because it's so te we should explain. This is like very tedious. There's no computer system. She's literally looking through like thousands of papers mm -hmm. to like look for this contract or mm -hmm. whatever. So he's like, yeah, it's tedious. Uh, it's never ending. Like, it's the worst thing ever. It's like, ah, sitting down in an air-conditioned office, you know, it could be worse. Right, right, right. You could be uh, rounding up carts in a Winn-Dixie in Tampa, Florida. <laughs> Not that I would know anything about that. I wish the Winn-Dixie near me would round up their carts. <laughs> oh, they, you uh, actually have a Winn-Dixie? I thought they all went out of business. Now, we, I've got two very oh. close to me. And, 
One of them should be burned to the ground. It's whoa, terrible. whoa, whoa. Uh, oh, more on that later. At one point, Peter goes home to his apartment and he completely uh, trashes it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Apparently, yeah, yeah. Uh, all of that was like real. Like it was like a real lamp and uh, furniture and everything. And uh, the director was uh, like, you know, now <laughs> post filming of the scene, he was like, he couldn't believe he let um, Cage do such a uh, hazardous stunt. And everything was broken in one take. And there were two cameras and one of them ended up getting broken during that scene. Uh, yeah. So I guess that's the uh, <laughs> beauty of uh, non-union, low-budget indie filmmaking. Is, uh, <clears throat> but hey, at least you got a guy. Yeah, because there's, there's a lot of like broken mm -hmm. glass in that scene. Yeah, so. yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy. And um, yeah, so uh, hmm. I do like how he, uh, I can't remember if it's in that scene or not, but he ends up uh, using like turning over his couch on top of him like it's a coffin. Yeah, yeah. Like she goes to sleep. Right. <laughs> yeah, so basically he just gets uh, more insane like as the movie goes on. Like it's, you know, clear that this, uh, there, there's a lot of, you know, it's an allegory for almost like a sexual predator boss. He ends up... Um, well, he ends up sexually assaulting yeah. Alva. Yeah, that's right? what I was going to say. And, uh, and then Alva goes uh, and tells her brother. And um, at this point, like uh, Peter, a.k.a. Nick Cage, is basically roaming the streets. He's got um, like dried blood on his face. And he's, for some reason, he's carrying around a piece of wood. Which I mean, definitely. Yeah, because at this point he's bitten um, a random woman at the right, club. Right, right. Bitten slash like killed her in <laughs> in reality. Yeah, and, and we should add that he's wearing like he goes to like a uh, like an occult store or something, and he's like b looking to buy vampire mm -hmm. teeth, and like the first set he looks at is like twenty bucks or something, and then he like and they look pretty decent, and then he asks the the clerk like, what about how much are these? And they're like crappy all white plastic like toy you know teeth vampire teeth for kids and the guy's like oh i don't know like 10 bucks or like way cheaper and he's like okay i'll buy these cheap ones. yeah see all right i get that as a visual gag but you think a guy like peter lowe who obviously has money and like if he wants to you know fully commit to being a vampire you think he would uh pay for the you know the best vampire teeth he could get yeah it was an interesting choice right yeah i mean but uh but then we don't get those hilarious like the facial expressions of nick cage throughout this movie i mean aside from the obvious meme that everyone knows uh is that they're just amazing especially when he gets those uh yeah. fake vampire teeth in there i mean it's hilarious there's a uh, one of the pictures on the obscuratron is uh him like in the phone booth with those fake teeth in and uh <laughs> it's just um it's hilarious um it's very i i like that uh during this period in the film where he's like just completely off his rocker mm -hmm. and we should add the the thing that like kind of finally pushes him over the edge to like fully believe he's a vampire is that after he assaults alva she she like has a, she has a gun, but she only had. But her brother only gave her like uh, that. Her brother gave, her, but he only gave her like blanks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta add that. So, yeah. So she's like shooting at the floor, not shooting at him to try and get him to like you know not attack her. And eventually he attacks her and he grabs the gun and like goes to kill himself, puts it in his mouth and pulls the trigger, but like two or three times. But 
he doesn't die because he doesn't get shot by a real mm-hmm. bullet. So he thinks he's like a vampire right. immortal. Uh, by the way, kids, a blank gun, point blank range can <laughs> kill you. A blank bullet. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, don't go doing that. And it was pretty obvious because it's obviously like a cap gun that mm-hmm. they used. You could tell by the way, like it's smoked um, at the, uh, I don't know what you call the thing you pull back. But anyway, uh, so yeah, so Nicolas Cage, like that's like the final straw for him where he's like, okay, I'm a vampire. One of my favorite choices that Nicolas Cage makes is while he's losing his mind, walking throughout the city, yelling at his therapist who he's not really having a conversation with but he right. thinks he is he starts crying at one point and how does he cry steve oh um, like uh, he yells boo-hoo <laughs> well <laughs> right right and that's uh that's similar to um at the very beginning of the film when the bat flies in he just goes shoo shoo like to shoo it away yeah. just the most cartoony like in the hands of anyone else it just wouldn't work but he makes it work yeah yeah but he's, he's like boo hoo boo hoo <laughs> that's uh yeah that's so awesome so good yeah. so good so yeah he goes back to his apartment uh, you know he um lays in his makeshift coffin basically uh alva alva's brother shows up and um they sort of have a struggle, and basically it ends with him staking Nicolas Cage through the heart with that piece of wood he was carrying around, um, which is just how yeah. uh, Martin dies in that aforementioned George Romero film. Uh, although he's actually staked by his, like, uh, I don't know, grand uncle who thinks he's a vampire hunter, but that's another episode. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and that's basically Vampire's Kiss. And I'm just uh, curious, like... When you watched it for, because this is my first time watching it again, like for a second time. And for me, like it's still good, but it definitely doesn't have the uh, oomph uh, watching it like the first time. Uh, Did you? Yeah. Is that the same for you? I mean, a little bit. uh, I mean, there there was, it had been, you know, long enough since I last saw where I had forgotten Mm -hmm. a lot of it, like his accent. Um, I forgot about him like yelling boo hoo, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it probably didn't have quite the same oomph because just because I knew like it's kind of insane. Right. And you know and what? Even if you know mm-hmm. it's insane watching it the first time, you're, you're not prepared for the kind of you insanity. You got that right. Yeah. 100%. Now, let's uh, pretend that they didn't cast uh, Nick Cage in this. Like, I mean, it would probably, this is probably end up being a pretty mediocre movie, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, maybe you could get like a Christopher Walken mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. He could do like an interesting take on it. But, it, you know, it'd have to be somebody like that, I think. Maybe a Steve Buscemi. Oh, that'd be interesting. It. Yeah. I mean, so so you're saying old Vin Diesel couldn't pull it off. <laughs> no, no. I don't, I don't think this one is in Vinny's uh, tool no, belt. Uh, it's about family. Not being a vampire. It's about family. Uh, but uh, all right. Well, uh, I mean, unless you have anything else to add, I believe we're ready to render the verdict. What do you think? Let's, let's right. do it. All right. Mr. Velasquez, do you think Vampire's Kiss should be remembered for all of uh, human and vampire history? or tossed into the black void of obscurity, never to be heard from again. Uh, yeah, I would say should be remembered. 
Uh, still a fun film, like you said. Maybe not quite as much of an oomph or an impact on the second viewing, but uh, definitely up there for me as far as... Uh, I wouldn't even say it's so bad it's good. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. good. Uh, like, I don't know. Would you characterize it in this as a bad movie? Oh, no. Like, it's so bad No, it's this good? is a mediocre movie that's elevated by one Nicolas Cage. Um, like, even... I mean, as we just said, it, let's say it was uh, given to a more... I don't know, a less adventurous actor... Like, it would still be yeah. worth at least, like, one watch, I'm sure. Um, but, like, with uh, with this, this is one of those where, like, if you watch it and you have friends who haven't seen it, like, it's your duty <laughs> to, you know, tell your friends to watch it and or watch it with them to see their reaction. Um, so I would say a, yeah. a cult yeah. film, uh, to say the least. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, it's a, uh, it's a save for me. So, um, yeah, that's going to be... Uh, Uh, remembered for Vampire's Kiss. In accordance to Obscure to Now, the most important streaming YouTube podcast in all of the internet, you shall be remembered. Yes. Good show. Good, good show. All right. Good stuff. Good, good stuff. Uh, so, uh, well, that's our show, everybody. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe and share. And, of course, check out Vampire's Kiss on uh, Tubi and all those other um, sta- stations, <laughs> streaming services that uh, Yahel recommended. Uh, there... Yeah, tune your TV to uh, UHF. <laughs> WTTA TV 38. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they showed it at yeah. some point. Um, but. But yeah, make sure you uh, join us uh, next Sunday as we continue to unearth even more obscure media only on Obscurity Now. We'll see you next Sunday. I'm having a weird, weird day. The name's Adam. Where I'm from, I'm known as the Zero Thief. Depending on who you ask, some might say I'm the best thief. But believe it or not, even the best screws up every once in a while. And that's what I did, and I had to make a fast getaway. Ended up crash landing on this bizarre planet. Turns out, I didn't get away fast enough. These winged freaks followed me here. It's just us here, Zero Thief, on this empty backwards planet. So start talking, either to me or my blade. Okay, okay, I do have something to tell you. It's about the planet. It's not that empty. Come on, man. I thought you were going to die. Cut me loose. Cut me loose. Behind you. Whoa. Thought I was done for. It was going to be a light snack for a snarling creature. But then she showed up riding on the back of one of those monsters like it was nothing. And with a wave of her hand, the other razor-toothed beast just stomped away. I'd never seen anyone like her before in my life. I thought I'd say something clever. Thanks, uh, have you seen my ship? She gave me a look that said more than words ever could, because I think she was trying to read my mind or something. And from there, things just got even weirder. Issue 2, crowdfunding now.
you've been enjoying Obscurity Now, a podcast that's recorded live to tape and streamed to Twitch and YouTube. Subscribe so you never miss an episode or hilarious quip. Take us with you by following the download links provided in the show notes to wherever you get podcasts. And take notice of our various social media links. If that's what you're into, I'm not here to judge. And make sure you join us live next week at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific as we continue to discuss more obscure media only on Obscure Now.